Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Straight Out of Taunton. In this episode, the realities of coronavirus are brought home. Josh gives us the lowdown on Taunton matters and we discuss places that really should be better than Taunton but for some reason they really aren't. We go on to talk about the various strange encounters that we've had with animals over the years and generally reflect on the places that we have lived and where is home for us. Matt introduces us to the garbage truck killer and we offend the entire populations of two of the world's most important global cities. I'm Matt. I'm Johnny. I am Josh. And I'm Matt. And this this is Straight straight from the Hot hot Tatter. So uh, this is a very special coronavirus podcast in that one of us has actually got coronavirus. Yeah, so, great. You know. We don't have a corona problem in the United States. Oh, right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Donald. All right, the, only pro- the, only, the only problem we have is with uh, libtards and wall jumpers. <laughs> <laughs> the China virus is made up. Our problem is that we got too many wall jumpers around here. Yeah. After this, Matt, we can download the audio and I can probably enlarge some of the sound waves so you can actually hear... You can actually hear the coronavirus death rattle in their lungs. All I got to say to you is, freedom isn't fucking free. Okay, yeah. it costs folks like you and me, and it costs a hefty fucking fee. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for starting half an hour late, by the way, guys. The fuck? Cheers <laughs> for that. Cheers yeah. for. Everyone looks in. I'm not, don't, ask me, don't ask me to apologise for being fucking organised. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, did, 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 did you give your Wi-Fi connection coronavirus as well? Exactly. Something like that. It's currently yeah. wheezing on the ventilator downstairs. Are you sharing your Wi-Fi with like a hundred Chinese immigrants sheltering in a cargo <laughs> container near your house? <laughs> that would definitely explain the coronavirus. So Matt, how's Donald? Has he still got uh, coronavirus? Uh, is he suffering with it a little Donald's bit? Donald's leaving the White House in a month. So, yeah. so I, I read somewhere that, that Donald is actually going to try and stay on, stay in the White House. He already did that, dude, and failed. But no, actually, he's just going to stay. Like They'll just chuck him out. It'll, it'll be like a flat share. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be like Joe Biden. You know, at night, they'll get together and have, they'll have pizza and watch the game. No. They'll have, like, <laughs> popcorn. Don and Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I make quite a good reality show, wouldn't I? We're all, we're all pretty happy yeah. that Kamala Harris is the VP, honestly. Yeah. But, is she going to yeah. have a room in the White House? Like, a sort of, in the Probably. part of the house share as well. Right, so this is a podcast about Taunton. Um, I think perhaps we ought to get back on topic. Can I hit you? Can I hit you with a cold fact about Taunton? That, yeah. You know... I didn't know, and I feel that our education system let us down by not informing us sooner. But Taunton, I'm reading now off somersetlive.co.uk, Taunton was the first town in the country to be lit permanently by electric street lighting in 1881. This was a whole whole 12 months before the Electric Lighting Act of 1882, which enforced the switch from oil lamps to electric across the UK. So, come on, let's you know, let's start off positive. That's yeah. pretty cool. Why, that's bizarre, though. Why, why Taunton? You would expect. I know okay, it doesn't go into that detail, but that is a good question. No. That's the the logical next question. Why? But it's it's interesting that it it kind of got off to a well, quite literally a bright start. 
um, back in whenever that was. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really make the most of it. Really. Maybe it was because they needed to light the streets to make them safer, to, to sort of halt the, the crime wave of... of <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Nightly muggings and murders. So I, I don't understand why Taunton, though, because did somebody invent it in Taunton? Yeah, I think it was... Well, don't you know that the famous Taunton resident, Nicholas Tesla Edison, he was, um, <laughs> he was mayor of the town in the late 19th century. Uh, that, yeah, that rings bell. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> old Nick, good old Nick. So as you know, I put a note on Facebook earlier uh, to try and get some thoughts from old friends, uh, people that we know from Taunton area that went to school there or maybe live there still, um, just to get some ideas about what um, they remember, what was good. Uh, and the list has been quite interesting, really. County stores has featured a fair bit. So county stores, it's just, is county stores still going? Is that, is that still a thing or is it? No, it's gone. It's gone. It's it's closed. It's closed down. Has it been replaced with a pound stretcher or a B and M or something? Oh dear! Wow, that yeah. is quite a that's a casualty. So the county stores was the Harrods of, of the southwest, basically, wasn't it? I remember, mm. you know, it was quite a nice place. It was a nice place. It used to sell a lot of chutney, if I remember, a lot of <laughs> you know gentlemen's relish and mm. things in jars and overpriced meat. Um, yeah, but. It was a nice shop. It was sort of independent, quite traditional. It's very traditional, know. wasn't it, from memory? I, do, yeah. do you think ever since somebody stole the O from the sign outside that it never really managed to retain its customer base? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, County Stores? <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of thing that the, that the sort of the sort of Taunton and Prankston might do is steal the wrong O. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. I, mean, I went down the down to the high street one day, and somebody had stolen the O from County Store. That is pretty mean, isn't it? Yeah, guys. Along those lines, I just wanted to um because in, in preparation for today, I was looking. There's a great Facebook group uh, which I haven't joined yet, but I'm reading called Taunton Matters, which oh, has yes. a sort of beautiful double meaning, and, and along the County Stores lines, but obviously bring it right right up to the the modern day. Someone's posted on there. Someone's posted on there. Hi, everyone. Um, could someone tell me what the Taunton Asda is like, please, before I make, <laughs> before I make the trip? Heard everyone is panic buying and don't really want to go in queue, spelt Q-U-E, to be disappointed. So, yeah. Q-U-E. Yeah. With the capital Q, actually. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. Can anyone hear us what the Taunton Asda is like? It's a giant snooker hall and not a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that is that C-U-E or have I got that wrong it's K-E-W Josh <laughs> for those London uh, residents you should know that I'm going to open a I'm going to open a, snook, a snooker hall called Q Gardens <laughs> with no roof it's or like awesome. sort of like an ornate Victorian glass house it'll just be like a it'll, it'll be like a sort of snooker table in a greenhouse <laughs> so Taunton Matters is it, 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 normally the, these these groups are just full of people who have got too much time on their hands it's yeah there's a bit of that there, but there's all there's, there's a real variety of, of questions and, and some people there's, yeah. there's even a guy I mean, there's people sort of doing very Taunton-related stuff. There's a nice guy who said, great respect to Taunton 
first bus drivers today for providing a great service on the day of remembrance. Uh, but then there's a guy who's <laughs> this is this is literally the next post. This was only yesterday on the 19th of December saying, "Does anyone know, spelt N O, what spider this is?" Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. Doesn't look like the most friendly, but it's in my workshop out of the rain. These <laughs> these pictures, there are three pictures, are all of the same spider. What kind of spider are we talking? Is it are we talking is the spider a sight to behold? Is it? Well it's such a close up. There's no there's no way of telling how big this spider is. But um yeah, I mean it looks quite sort of it looks quite sort of serious spider, but not, you know, anything. Is it a spider called Peter Parker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that Thompson's lacks, I think, is a bit of ambition. Um, so it's got a lot of things going for it, you know, hasn't it? Really, it's got a nice location in between the, the Quantocks and the Black Downs. Uh, it's got a, it's got good connectability up and down the motorways, and obviously train connections and all of that. Not too far from an airport, not too far from the sea. You know, it's reasonably pleasant, some nice parks and so on. But but it, what it's lacking really is a is a kind of history and a, and a sort of a legacy. I thought that what summed it up for me um, was I, was I was reading the poem um, Lines Composed Upon Westminster Bridge uh, by uh, by Wordsworth. Matt, I remember you loved that poem. Good poem, right? Great poem, yeah. And it talks, you know, it talks about you know the, the, the mist rising over the sleeping city, and it's all beautiful and, and, and all the rest of it. I was thinking, oh, you know, that'd be nice to have something like that written, you know, on the bridge in Taunton. I, I went to look at what the name of the bridge is in in Taunton. What is? Do you know what the name of the bridge is in Taunton? Is that the bridge um, by Dellers? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it? The, is it like Defendamus Bridge mm. or, or something like that? Though? It's called the bridge. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! It, somebody yeah. went to the trouble of building a fairly ornate bridge over a pretty important w- river crossing in the, in the West Country, and couldn't even be bothered to give it a name. It's just called the bridge, hmm. uh, and I think that sums Taunton up in, in a word. Really, we need to um, we need to address this. I think we do definitely. Yeah, we should start a kind of campaign to name the bridge. Absolutely. So similarly with the, um, I thought the film set in Taunton was definitely a, a good thing. But I think to, to precede that, you'd probably need to put Taunton on the map somewhere, somewhere, somewhere else. You know, repurposing some famous literature or, or arts or something like that with, with Taunton. Um, so I think one of my favourite poems, um, Ozymandias by, by Percy Bishelli. Do you remember this? Yeah. See, it starts off, I met a traveller from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert, etc., etc. So it wouldn't take much to change that. Because you could put, I met a traveller from an antique land who said, two vast and headless ears of stone stand in the desert. And then rather than Ozymandias, my name is Andrew Caddick, <laughs> king of bowlers. Look on my figures, you mighty, and disp- you Aussies and despair. You see, little tweaks like that, you see. <laughs> could, could, you know... <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you know, you know, have a picture of, of Caddick, you know, sort of mid, mid, mid-appeal as, as he traps, um, I don't know, who, 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 Brian Lara, leg before, after just a mere 275 runs at, at the Kingston Oval or something. Um 
you know, I, I think Caddick is somebody that 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 kind of could perhaps be in the town square, casting iron with some literature around him. There's loads of places around the UK, I think, uh, are pretty average. So a great example is Oxford. Yeah, mm. this is very controversial, but I personally greatly dislike Oxford. Yeah, it's got its lofty spires um, and it's got mm. a fair amount of history, but alongside it. It's a lot of shit as well. Let's be honest. It's you know fairly average town, overpriced, overly busy, tourists everywhere, cameras, mm. not brilliant. So part of the reason people go to Oxford is because they've been told it's amazing. So mm. if everyone was told Taunton was amazing, people would go there. Matt, I think you should re- I think you should re- change your career to an estate agent, Matt. I mean, it's very compelling stuff, <laughs> <laughs> especially the transport links. I, th- I think I've just lived in some horrible places over the years. You know, you, you learn to see the, the good even in the, the underside of a turd after a while. <laughs> anyway, so next part of the, the show, um, I thought we'd look at places. So we talked a lot about in the last episode. Um, I kind of came away from it feeling that we'd been a little bit negative about Taunton um, in parts. I think overall... We, we celebrated some of the, the interesting parts of, of Taunton, but but I, I think ultimately um, I was left feeling that maybe we'd, you know, been a bit negative. So I was thinking Taunton's one of those places that really isn't all that bad. Um, and it's very easy to compare it to places that really are bad. Um, but I wonder whether it'd be interesting to look at places that are actually not as good as Taunton despite the fact that all the evidence suggests they are significantly better than Taunton. So the one I wanted to throw out there straight away, this is a place um, that I've been to several times over the years, um, that despite its grandeur, despite its its architecture, its history, its amazing collection of artefacts and, and art, of course, from all over the world, I would sooner live in Taunton, um, and that's Paris. So the way I describe Paris is it's a city that is undeserving of of its uh, population. So essentially, I think that the French, and I, I love the French. I've got a lot of French friends. I speak French. Um, but I do think that the French, um, in particular Parisians, have taken for granted their city. To get the best way I can describe how Paris has become over the, the, the last 20 years or so, that in Japan, um, there's actually a, a contact sensor uh, and um, a, a, a number that you can ring uh, if you go to Paris as a Japanese tourist and experience what they call Paris syndrome. Have you heard of this? Yes. So, so in Japan, Paris is regarded as one of the the pinnacles of Western society. It's 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 been portrayed in many many Japanese films and shows and literature as being a place of, of beauty, of romance, of culture. Um, so it's often regarded by young Japanese uh, people as a, a destination of um, you know a dream destination, the sort of place you go. Um, when you um, reach a certain age and you want to go and see the world, and people go to go to Paris with this idealized view of this amazing city that they've read and heard about, and the reality is so appalling for them that often the culture shock is so acute it causes physical sickness, anger, 
um, just massive amounts of distress to the point where they've actually had to set up a, a helpline and a repatriation service for Japanese tourists that end up in Paris. Um, no, this is absolutely true. Absolutely true. So that, that, that for me says that, you know, despite Taunton's modest roots, actually, would a Japanese tourist in, in Taunton have the same experience as they do in Paris? Big question. So have you guys been to Paris recently? Yes. No, I, I was weekly commuting there for, for, for best part of a year. A, a guy got murdered outside our office during one of our days. Yeah. Really? He got murdered. Yeah. There was a, we, we were working next to the university and um, we didn't know at the time, but there was just, there was just a, um, there was a, we could see it right out of our window. We were about 15 floors up, but, but there was, um, there was a, there was a dead body down on the, and so we all sort of like gawped over and had a look. And then, and then throughout the day, they, they, they did a crime scene and then they were scrubbing the, the pavements by, by the evening. And it turned out there was a, a sort of radicalized student who, who, who had killed his lecturer for making, for making fun of, um, of Muhammad. So that's just one. So I mean, that's the, the very extreme sort of, sort of, sort of, you know, racially tense side to Paris. But mm. there's there's another side to it as well, which is which is like I said before, it's it's a it's it's a city that has been has been neglected and and uh, and its population have taken have taken it for granted. Mm. Last time I went to Paris, my overwhelming feeling was of somewhere that was dirty, that was um, neglected, that was heavily graffitied and it's almost as if the people have become so used to the to the grandeur of the Arc de Triomphe and the and the you know the, the the Eiffel Tower and all these wonderful sites that they've they've actually become sort of almost contemptuous of it so how about you Johnny uh, have you come across anywhere over the years that really should be better than Taunton but for some reason just isn't See, I think you're comparing apples. You're not comparing apples and apples here. I think it's, you know Paris is so big that, of course, it's you know it's going to be, it's going to have parts of it that is just uh, not as safe as Taunton, or but much more interesting than Taunton, for example. Um, so. Uh, yeah. But if you were to swap, I, I know, like you say, that you can't really compare apples with apples, but if you were to swap the entire population of Taunton with the entire population of Paris, <laughs> I think Tauntonians would do a better job of looking after Paris than the prisons. Well, that's an interesting thought experiment. Would you just multiply up the same demographic, like about about um, sort of fifty fifty thousand times or whatever the difference? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I do think that the, the, the Taunton people though they, they'd have a lot of respect and love for the Eiffel Tower, whereas the French yeah. covered in graffiti and spit all over it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think that's my issue with it. But aren't the Parisians like what my sister always says is that the Parisians are defined by this inc- intensely negative uh, kind of like um, feeling that they're better than everybody else. Yeah, but- 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so maybe you just need to swap the par- population of Paris with the population of somewhere else in France, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, d- dump all the Parisians in Normandy or somewhere flat. So there you go. So, you know, on, on balance, I'd rather live in Taunton than Paris, is essentially what I'm saying. Yeah. But more pertinent to our, to our sort of like childhood experience of Taunton, would you rather grow up in Taunton or Saint-Malo? <laughs> now, that's, now, Saint-Malo is one of my, my favourite places in the world, actually. Really? Yeah, I absolutely love that. it there. Yeah. So, I've never been. So, Saint-Malo is a, a 
great place because it's steeped in 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 history. Um, it's very beautiful. It's very accessible as well, so you can you know you can get around. Yeah, just interject and say Paris does have some history as well. Yeah, it uh, it does. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it that. It does have some history. But I'll tell you what, Paris didn't have. Um, there's a very interesting German general in the Second World War called Colonel von Oluk, who, who oh, is yeah. who, who's a very interesting guy. Actually, he was um, the crazy colonel, basically responsible for the defence of Saint Malo really? uh, when the when the Allies advanced on the uh, Brittany area from the uh, Normandy landings. So yeah. von Orlock, he, he was a bit of a bit of a lunatic essentially. So he'd always walk around with a with a knee length leather trench coat. Um, he had a monocle and a cane as well. Hmm. Um, and very famously, he he refused to surrender despite the fact that basically Samalo yeah. was 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 yeah. in real trouble because the, the, the Allies came up from the Normandy coast yeah. and just basically pincered the hell out of uh, of Samalo, and they were left with nowhere else to go. So. Rather than rather than surrender, like like any sensible person uh, would do at this point, um, Van Orlock he he took his garrison of German troops to a little island called Cezombre, which is just off the the coast. You can actually see it from the from the beaches of Samalo, um, and and they they went down into the bunkers on the on this little island um, and just and just decided just to ride it out. Um, and the, the Allies dropped over two million bombs on Cezombra, um, including incendiary devices and all kinds. Um, and and, and t- he did eventually surrender after basically his entire garrison of troops went, went actually went mad um, with shell shock from being bombed to hell by the Americans okay. and the British. Even today, um, you can't go on to Cezombra. There's only a small part of it that's been cleared because of all the unexploded ordnance. Yeah, so it's one of the rare places in the in in, in northern Europe that is basically you, you, all the seabirds and things are tame because they don't. There's no there's no people. There haven't been any people on there for like seventy five years. So yeah, so that, there you go. Look him up. He's a, he's an interesting dude. But yeah, he very very theatrically surrendered eventually, and, and um, you know, kind of goose stepped up to the uh, to General Patton, whoever it was, uh, with his with his monocle and his cane. Yeah, with his ragamuffin bunch of shell shock troops sort of behind him, sort of looking pretty forlorn, and uh, gave gave a very theatrical salute and surrender in the, in the town square in Saint Malo. So there you go. Oh, interesting story. There you go. You don't get that kind of shit in Paris, that's for sure. What about out in America, Matt? There must be some places that you know that that, that make Taunton look like Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is pretty fucking depressing. Um. Brawley, California, which is right by the border, which I was in with Josh, actually. Uh, do you remember, Josh, driving around the Salton yeah. Sea? Yeah, I do. I do. do that you remember was how depressing, depressing it was? That was depressing, yeah. It's really that, depressing. That was like a sort of a dead wasteland. And, yeah, do, yeah. do you remember Brawley by the Mexican border? Yeah. Really awful. Um, and I would say... I used to, when I used to live in Colorado, there was a city near, well, a town where I used to near where I used to live, that was called Craig, spelt C R A I G, Craig, oh, yeah. <laughs> but they call it Craig, and um, it was where it was like the redneck capital of the region, and it was like because there's a Walmart there, and I don't know if you guys know, but with Walmart, you can park in Walmart and go to the bathroom which technically translates to you can actually live at Walmart. So the Walmart parking lot was enormous and they would never, they would never call it Craig. For some reason, I never figured out. They always called it 
Craig America. <laughs> so those three places, Craig America. So for those three places, they're all worse than Taunton. Where have you lived that if you were being brutally honest with yourself, you'd be yeah, rather have been in Taunton? Taunton. And yet should yeah. be much better. Well, yes. the thing is, there's a, it's a very easy question for me to answer. Uh, there's a clear place that's exactly like Paris that should be obviously in another universe than Taunton. You know where it is? Go on. San Francisco, California. Oh, wow. That's a massive statement. Here is a place that this is the most... Like, San Francisco has a reputation, right, as this kind of, like, beautiful, uh, architecturally surrounded by this gorgeous countryside. Um, It's a melting pot of different communities. Um, It's a place where people come to find themselves in the kind of, you know, angular streets and, uh, you know, streetcars going up and down Powell Street. And, like, it's got a quirky urban culture. And it's kind of like a a place where, like, you know, many philosophical movements sort of uh, call it home. And it actually has, just to speak to what you were saying, actually has a kind of a weird philosophical and intellectual kinship with Paris. Because it definitely considers itself the Paris of the US, right? Yeah. To let's say Manhattan, New York is the London of the US, right? Um, but in reality, behind the facade, modern, much as you were saying about modern Paris, modern San Francisco is the most awful place you could ever <laughs> go to. Right? Wow. It's like, I was so I was briefly over the last couple of days. I was helping someone move, and um, I, the guy I was he- I was helping move was a was a was a mild mannered and incredibly nice uh, Mexican guy. He said, "Well, I lived in San Francisco for several years," and as he said this, his like kind of like misty eyed nostalgia changed abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> to what I can only describe as the kind of jittery, s- weird stare of a someone experiencing post-traumatic stress. <laughs> and, basically, and, I, and I said, didn't you enjoy living there? And he, and he said, my abiding memory of San Francisco is seeing someone in, seeing a white guy in a top-of-the-range Mercedes slam into a homeless guy on market street at 50 miles an hour and then get out to check to see if there was any damage to his car before driving off (laughs) that basically symbolized what modern san francisco has become yeah it's a massively polarized place this is a place where that used to have all the stuff i was saying about that's basically been overrun by this money-seeking tech culture that has absolutely yeah. nothing to do with the place that it's implanted itself in and has systematically ruined it from start to finish, driven by people in their mid-twenties who have basically taken over this formerly beautiful city, which in itself was kind of always a lie because the people that run San Francisco uh, were these hippies, right? left over from the 60s but hippies who went into you know real estate all this kind of stuff all this kind of stuff that the baby boomer generation around the world found itself easily enjoying 
and so it's this kind of like yeah it's it's um it's this horrifically like dark darwinistic place that trades off this reputation of being immensely liberal but is actually quite the opposite yeah that is, that is, that is very interesting and it's a massive concentration of of that because like geographically it's like an isolated peninsula they, they, like it's 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 purged itself of of sort of middle class suburban just uh, moderate moderate individuals um and is now just high earners and homeless but but the people there still trade off the idea that they're intolerant and like the cutting leftists of America and thus the world. But in reality, they're just these utterly self-involved, over-wealthy people who like drive like the top of the range car around uh, back to their four-bedroom house in Marin. And always all of them, all of them will have a BLM sticker in the windscreen. By the way, guys, do you know, just, just, just as an aside, we have, a, we have a new serial killer here. Seriously? Yeah. So there's a new serial killer in in LA. Um, so he's called, are you ready? The garbage truck killer. Oh, God. And so the garbage truck killer, here's his MO. He kills people and leaves their bodies in garbage trucks. And wow. and they Just think imagine. he's a and they've and the evidence is they, they think that he's a police officer. Why? Because he's just putting out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> He's just taking out the trash. Because he's taking out the trash. <laughs> so, so how, how's how's this um, garbage truck killer getting on? Is he is he has he got a few under his belt? What are his numbers? What are his stats? His stats are thirteen Vex. Wow. Thirteen thirteen of the departed. Thirteen wow. to no. So he's so he's wow. racking up an impressive kill list. I would wow. say, yeah. How long, he, how long has he been going for? He's been going for about ten years. Oh, really? That long? Yeah. Does he does he come on uh, Monday mornings between eight and ten? <laughs> and take yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like putting the bins out in America is a dangerous business. What with the garbage truck killer and all the raccoons going in and out of your bin bags. I've never seen a raccoon. So a raccoon, they stand on two feet and they have a long face. And, and they're actually kind of cute until the, they do that. Because when yeah. they do that, you realise it's a raccoon. If it bites me, I've got to go to the emergency room. Yeah, yeah they, they, carry, they carry some pretty horrible diseases, don't they? Yeah. yeah are, they like the, are they like foxes uh, are to the UK in terms of their use? Yeah, exactly. Here there's yelling. loads of raccoons. Basically, it's just quite a funny YouTube channel about a guy that's got a pet raccoon. Really? And um, yeah, there was one particularly amusing episode uh, where he 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 set up a load of cameras um, on his house, basically, and and I just wanted to see what the raccoon did while he was out. So normally it like stays in a cage in the garden or something, but he he just let let the raccoon in the house just to see what happened. And and basically, the video is just a a stop motion. movie of his house being ripped to shreds by a raccoon. He just didn't stop all day trashing his house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was this guy was like really, really earnest and serious. He was sort of taking the camera around going, Yeah, and then you can see this is where the raccoon dug a hole in my bed with its claws and this is the bit where, you know, it it, it gnawed through my through my VCR. Do you know what I mean? It was it was, it was, it was <laughs> 
It's pretty crazy. <laughs> That's really funny. Actually, I was going to ask Johnny, how, how is your ongoing battle with your garden fox going? Is it still like waiting till you put something of value outside your door and then just shitting on it? Basically, yeah, yeah, it, it is a bit like that. Like, it, like, it, like, if you don't, if you leave anything out for baby, certainly overnight, but even a few hours sometimes is enough for him to get in there and 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 sort of like take a crap on it. So, especially especially if it's something you've just recently recently touched. So, you know, tennis rackets or um, like the kids' scooters, champagne um, glass, champagne glass, a chair. <laughs> If you start, like, if you leave a chair out, he'll do a shit on the chair. It's a real, it's a real comedy fox. I mean, yeah, I, I like him, right? but I, I do sort of like, I'd like to meet him and, and and like catch him doing it one day. I might leave a sort of like some sort of like booby trap out there for him. But what would you do if you caught it? I'd probably like take a picture of him and then send it to you guys. <laughs> Crapping on something. <laughs> Just so long as it's not. <laughs> It, yeah, it's kind of weird though. When you, when you catch an animal doing something it shouldn't be doing, it's quite hard to know what to do. Did, did I ever tell you the story about the, the, the cat next the cat next door? I told you that story. No. Oh my god! Does so, this, so, this involve animal cruelty, Matt? Um, no, no, I wouldn't say cruelty. Um, oh god! Animal just justice, yeah. I think, is a good word. <laughs> it didn't suffer for long. It didn't it was it was humane. Um, so, so, Matt, you, you've had cats, haven't you, over the years? Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, we had two, we had two cats, and um, so in our old house, uh, we, we lived right next door to this to this this couple, and they're they really nice, they're good friends of ours. Um, but they had this cat called Dennis, uh, and it, it was a, it was a manky fucking cat. It was it was a big a big cat, um, and it was pretty aggressive. We are uh, talking the past tense here, Matt. I'm just saying, just wondering what happened to Dennis. Yeah. So, so, so Dennis, yeah. So anyway, so so Dennis was uh, and my, my cat Elmo. Um, they weren't the best of friends, um, and we had several several incidents where where there were there was fighting, and but um, he woke up in the night, and and the worst the worst thing of it of all was the piss. Yeah. So, so a cat. We don't know which one. One of them was just pissing up the wall pissing in you know in in the corners of rooms pissing in the washing baskets the lot and, and it properly came to a head where I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't call myself an avid gym gym goer um but anyway i went to i went to the gym one day uh, i got I got dressed um to, uh, got on the treadmill and i was i was just kind of getting a bit of a sweat on and, and as i was getting a sweat on i obviously reactivated the dried piss and uh <laughs> Fucking cat had got into my gym bag and pissed all over my gym kit. That's um, so gross. And there I was, you know, at eight in the morning, just sweating cat piss, which is revolting. So anyway, I, I got so I got, I got so fed up with this. I thought well, I need to catch I need to catch this cat and teach you a lesson. So 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 my, my kitchen, my, my kitchen, my old house was like a, a galley kitchen. So I I, I put this I put, I put this cat flap in. Um, and it, so, and I set I set the cat flap so so it could only go one way, so the cat could come, it could come in but it couldn't get out. And then I I, I shut I shut all the doors um, and thought right I'll just wait. And I was wait, I was working from home that day so I just wait. I could hear the cat flap go, and then when it goes I'm in. So anyway, an hour or so later I heard the cat flap go, and then some scrabbling 
as it tried to get out and realised the cat flap was locked. Um, and then some silence, so I sort of crept in and <laughs> shut the doors. And there I was face to face with this fucking monkey, monkey Dennis from next door. So I then tried to, I then tried to, I then tried to catch Dennis. Who by this stage was pretty annoyed. Uh, and just, 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 just doing laps around my house, basically. It was literally just flying around my house like nobody's business. I just couldn't catch it. Um, and it was obviously screaming and I was clattering around, knocking things over, trying to catch his cat. And in the end, I, ma- I managed to corner it in, in, in my downstairs loo. Oh, God. So oh, I got no. it. I got it in the corner of in the corner of the room, and I, with my with my foot, I, I I shut I shut the door with my foot, and he was obviously hissing and trying to hit me, trying to bat me with his. With his claws. Oh my god! And I managed and I managed to get hold of the back of his neck and pin him to the floor. And I wasn't quite sure what to do next because I was kind of a bit stuck with my foot holding the door shut. So the only thing I could think to do at this point was <laughs> was, was, was take off my slipper and spank it. <laughs> so, with my other hand, I took off my, my oh, and his cap into the floor, and I spanked it. <laughs> this is a ridiculous story. <laughs> the, cat, the cat was understandably not too impressed with the spanking, uh, and there was a point where I realised that maybe I'd gone a bit too far this time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Was it when yeah. the cat stopped moving? <laughs> yeah, he felt a bit sorry for himself, I think. But you know, to be fair, job job done. He didn't come in for a few weeks, so <laughs> did, I, did I, felt we... like, I felt like I won that battle. Did he then just up the ante instead of pissing your gym kit? He just shat. <laughs> I did. I did wake up one morning and there was a cat turd on my pillow next to my face. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> He sounds like a real menace, Dennis does. I would say it was, yeah. Yeah. Johnny, how about you? You must have been to you must have been to or lived in places that despite the grandeur and the history and the Yeah and and everything else is is not as good as Taunton. Well, yeah. I the thing is I I've lived in so many different places that are quite quite different but i've never kind of i've never sort of wanted to settle into any of them but i've always wanted to sort of take bits bits of all of them but even even in some of the places where you know i was pondering what the next move would be i would never consider going back to taunton but more for, than for any reason is because i'd already done it i i think what what, what we're distilling this down to essentially is authenticity isn't it i think yeah. that's what san francisco has lost it's lost its yeah. authenticity it's now you know it's now consumer driven it's now um arrogance conceited and, and all the rest of it in the same way that paris is yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's lost its it's lost its true true identity and it's interesting it's london um i mean josh what are your thoughts on, on london uh, being a, being a resident there because I, I know when i lived there the thing that i i i, I found i found it very difficult to I think I found very difficult to sort of enjoy if you like is the fact that I didn't feel like it was my city I, I didn't feel like I had 
the, the job or the connections or whatever it was to actually really enjoy being there. Yeah. Oh my God. It's such a difficult one. Um, because again, it, I think it's a bit like when you, when you start talking about, you know, with, with these giant cities, I mean, I think it's almost like talking about a whole country in a way, in the sense that you, it's hard to generalize. Mm. I mean, cause it's literally, it's so true that there's something for everyone here, but, but at the same time, because it's so disparate, it's, it's, I find it really hard to um, sometimes to really sort of feel like I'm genuinely a part of it uh, or that it's really a homely, you know, place. It's more like a place where I live, if you see what I mean, rather than a home, if that makes any sense. I think, and it's weird because I think there's, 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 there are certainly people in the sort of, in the, in the suburbs of London, um, you know, uh, you know, like, like, like my girlfriend who, who is from South London. And I think she really feels the kind of love for South London. Um, yeah. And, and, and obviously has a, a, a genuine authentic link to it. Whereas I think tons of people, including me, even though I've been here a long time on and off, but tons of people sort of come here to do something, but know that it's not necessarily their home home. And I think, um, you know, you can, yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's just a question of whether whether you you know it's it's easy it's easy to feel that you're not you know that it's a, a transient thing and you you might go somewhere else afterwards um, even if that feeling continues to last for like twenty years or something. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know, but it's true that I think obviously to to to, to live a certain lifestyle here you need you need to have I don't know a lot of money and all that kind of stuff, but. There is certainly something for everyone, but I also feel that there's a lot of people who, um, from all over the world, who, who who come here because there are opportunities, and as a result, some of them create it as a home and and respect it as a home. And I think a lot of other people from you know from all over the world, including all parts of this country, probably come here going right. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to treat it as a place to make money, um, and then I'm going to you know it's, it's almost like using it to to get out yeah. of it i'm always an outsider everywhere i go and the main reason for that is that the area that i did feel attachment to which was uh, sw18 southwest london um has been completely changed beyond all recognition so i don't really have a home anymore you know and that's why i suppose in a weird way i gravitate to where i live now because it it's a place that is completely all about immigration and people reinventing themselves because they don't have anything else to go back to and so it's like everyone it's like it's like now i consider myself a los angelino simply because yeah but that's a legitimate you know affiliation for you as well i mean you've been there a long time as well as well as obviously again working deep in the industry there I think what's interesting is we, we kind of touched on this last time around. That, you know that idea of being an, an immigrant into wherever you you, you know you, you live in or from. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't really feel like I've got a true base um, other than I guess the Isle of Wight, where I, I never actually lived. If that makes sense, you know, I I can't kind of you know went through Taunton like, like you guys did went off and you know went to uni lived in France lived in London moved out east moved up north and so on um this is the longest I've ever lived in one place actually uh, up here um and and yet I don't ever I still don't feel like it's home um 
I still feel like my home is 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 the Isle of Wight, um, where I never actually lived. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. What about you, John? I mean, you, you obviously you know born in Australia, lived out in Oz for a bit. You know, lived in London, lived in Peterborough. You know, and the rest of it. You know, you, you lived around the place. Where do you feel is is your home? Well, you know, it's wherever I lay my hat. Listening to you guys, you lay your cable. <laughs> Listen to you guys. I, I I sort of like agree with all, all you're saying, and as I, I'm finding a lot of a lot of the same. You know, you you vocalise what how I how I feel. It's quite quite it's quite therapeutic actually hearing you guys describe it because I think you know although yeah it's it's not a sort of it's not an attachment necessarily to one place, and even if Taunton is in years one of the dominant numbers of years in in one place it it doesn't feel like the alma mater or the, well maybe it's the alma mater but it's not the it's not the sort of place that you're going to return to necessarily and and um you know i think the same about i think but i i sort of wonder the same for my for my for my own kids so like you know for my youngest daughter you know she's known nothing other than than living in 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 sussex mm. and you know, and I just think, oh well, you know, we'll be here for as long, and then we'll probably move somewhere else, depending on work or jobs or whatever combination of whatever factors. Yeah. And you know, I think, well, actually, for for her, that's that's a huge move because you know, that's that's her entire her entire life is different. Yeah. And so, you know, it's interesting. I, I do think as well that just to take on from the points you guys have said is is that you know going to going to an independent school in in Taunton. You know, it, that could have been an independent school in any place. Oh, one hundred percent, yeah. School. And so, you know, <laughs> this is a horrible thought, really. I don't really, but but you know, if anything, our, our sort of our, our sort of formative years were in generic independent school town. Um, in a lot of respects, it just happened to be Taunton. Yeah, well, the, the independent schools do 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 well, well. Is that the right word? It's that homogenization, isn't it? It's that you know everybody is the same everybody is leveled out you know um so the, the, the good the good parts of it are that it 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 has a set of standards that everybody's there to attain and so on the, the, the downside of it and it's something i found really difficult when i went to uni was the fact that it creates one culture and almost ignores erases in some respects actually um other cultures and other ways of seeing the world you know we were all you know, homogenized to the point where we look the same, we dress the same, we sound the same, we think the same. Do we ever think the same? No, I don't think. No, I don't think we did necessarily think the same. But we do perhaps have a similar world view in a global sense. So, so, so Matt, do you remember what happened? You know, in 1997, when the then you know 19-year-old Conservative government was finally voted out in favour of uh, uh, you know Tony Blair's Labour I Party. Exactly what happened. So, do you remember what happened? There was, there was one one lad in our in our year group who voted differently to us. So what do we do? I mean, he's probably still traumatised about it. Yeah, we, we beat him up whilst chanting "New Labour, New Danger." Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we we exerted all the anger stored up in our overprivileged nineteen-year-old self, screaming "New Labour, New Danger." <laughs> We did. I think this it was is true. Like class struggle, honestly. This might make it into the editor's cut, but I just don't feel. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, we were 
pretty much conditioned uh, not just to to think similarly, but also to uh, probably vote similarly back in 1997. Uh, I think I, I'm glad to say that uh, our views have somewhat changed and uh, moved a little bit further to the left since then. Just imagine if this was live. Imagine. <laughs> it, would you be able to hear the, the, the wailing of sirens in the distance yeah. getting gradually closer? Yeah, you would, yeah. Well, thanks ever so much for listening to episode two of Straight from the Hot Tap. We hope you enjoyed this Fox's Dinner of a podcast. If, despite everything, you managed to enjoy this podcast, please hit like and share amongst your friends and maybe leave us a comment or two. If you didn't like it, well, I guess you could go back to browsing QAnon message boards instead. A big shout out today goes to Oggy Oggy Pasties, Taunton's very own family-run bakery and pasty specialists. Deborah, Jeremy and Sarah have been working really hard to ensure their handmade selection of cakes, pies and world champion pasties are still available during lockdown. You can order a takeaway service through their Facebook site. Straight from the Hot Tap has been brought to you by Moran's Restaurants in Westwood Ho. Moran serves the very best Thai food in Devon and probably anywhere outside of Bangkok itself. Thank you for listening. This has been Straight from the Hot Tap. <laughs>